When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Knockin' Doors Down, brought to you by KDD Media Company. Limousine riding and jet flying, kids stealing and wheeling, dealing. <laughs> Remember all you women out there, none of you can be first. This is Knockin' Doors Down with your host Jason here, background of addiction and some uh, abuse uh, issues and uh, with the mission of t- taking my uh, life experience and helping those of you out there listening to overcome any and all adversities you're facing. And of course, my devastatingly handsome, fabulously tattooed co-host, Mikey Naraki. What is going on, people? Well, we got Ric Flair today for you guys on this episode, and it is phenomenal. Wheeling and dealing. And you'll hear not only Rick opens up about the death of his son, Reed, his alcohol abuse, which of course led to him being in the hospital, going into a coma, and also we coined a new phrase, get yourself a Wendy, because he talks about the love of his wife, Wendy, and um, how much it's meant in saving him. That's right. Yeah, I need to find myself a Wendy. We all need to get ourselves a Wendy. We all need hashtag find yourself a Wendy. (laughs) Well, we're going to get right into Rick here in just a second, but don't forget you can go to the carlosvierafoundation.org website, order those 5150 energy drinks at a discounted rate with uh, all sales benefiting the Carlos Vieira Foundation and its three programs, the race for autism, the race to be drug free, and the race to end the stigma. All right, Rick Flair for everyone. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's Ric Flair. I'm going to get this technology shit down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Holy shit. My stepdaughter went into the FBI. <laughs> Normally she has to be at my side, but I've done, I've done a couple of these recently, so it's all good. Oh, oh right wow. on, man. Damn, it's Ric Flair. Do I, need, do, I need, do I need my Rolex on? Yes, <laughs> please do. Please do. Let's see it, man. Okay. I got my wife here, oh. my, my manager, my agent, my controller. Oh, there you go. <laughs> my, my everything. everything. Okay, should I wear that one? Oh, yeah. One? Yes. Actually, that you should one. mail that to me, Rick. I got to get a better look at it. <laughs> okay, I'll do it. <laughs> shoot, a, shoot a message over to my uh, agent. <laughs> Do I do I need these two or are we just cool without them? Oh, uh, you do it. You you style and profile however you wish, good sir. Woo! I'll, I'll, I'll be I'll be just natural. Natural. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Well, uh, Rick, this is uh, this is such a huge honor for us to speak with you, man. I didn't sleep. No problem. I didn't sleep. I'm talking to Rick Flair. Yeah, it's Rick. I- I'm still in shock that he's here too, man. This right. is crazy. Well, well, let's get. Hey, hey, a lot of people are. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, we are hanging out with uh, Rick Flair, Mikey, and uh, Rick. I just got to tell you, while we're recording this, tomorrow is my 42nd birthday. And if you had oh, told, well, congratulations. thank you, sir. If you had told six-year-old Jason that, uh, you know, at some point you're gonna have a face-to-face with, um, sorry if I get emotional, one of your heroes, 
I wouldn't have believed it. And so this for me is just oh, thank you very much. Amazing. I, I I'm, pro- I'm honored to be here, guys. I'm I'm very honored you guys asked me to be part of it. So yes, sir, absolutely. And Rick, I'm, if I'm you, must- go, don't, you, can, you can ask me anything you want. Perfect, right. perfect. I got to say, I've always been a fan of you myself. I love Ric Flair, but when you did your pep talk for the 49ers, that just said it over. <laughs> I love this guy. I love this guy. <laughs> yeah, they ran me out of Charlotte after that. It's <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. The Bay Area will welcome you right on in. <laughs> uh, I'm, down, I'm down here with the Falcons now. So it's okay. uh, all right, all right. There you go. <laughs> So, uh, Rick, I want to kind of, you know, we do, do of course, want to talk on, on your struggles, and we're glad that, um, you know, you've gotten on the other side of the, the health concerns. But I really want to dive back into uh, to Little Rick because, uh, you know, you have, you have an interesting story. Some folks may not know that, uh, you know, you were adopted. Uh, March 18th, born February 25th, adopted March 18th. And what were your folk, your adoptive uh, parents like? Uh, your, your father was a doctor, the, the right? The best. Yeah, they were the best. And I, uh, I feel bad that they were depicted as not being anything less than the best in my 30 for 30. Everybody's got a different take on it. But, you know, I'm the only one that knows. I'm the only one that lived there. My parents were great. Mm-hmm. And I, them not seeing me play football was a legit or wrestle in high school track and field that often was purely a logistic issue which of course that got gets left out i went to high school 300 miles starting as of january of my freshman year 300 miles from minneapolis and my dad was a full-time practicing physician my mother was the uh head of uh public relations for the Sir Tyrone Guthrie Theater, which was the biggest contemporary theater in the Midwest at that time. They worked. Mm, yeah. And it just wasn't like they, they could just blow out of town on Friday. Sure. And uh, because back then when uh, my dad was OB, OBGYN and when a woman had a doctor, she had her doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She didn't have one of 10 guys in a group. Sure. That was on call, you know. The doctors were responsible uh, for their patients individually. And even though they did have partners later on, still it was just, uh, it wasn't the thing where you just, uh, the guy on duty took your calls and took your deliveries and surgeries and all that. So my dad worked worked his ass off. And that's one of the reasons I weren't there more often. Yeah, I was watching. Go ahead. Sorry, Rick. I was going to say, I don't think they were crazy about sports like I was, mm-hmm. but that had nothing to do with them, uh, you know, um, you know, being part of my life. There was no cell phones back then. And, right. you know, I talked to them once a week on a pay, pay phone and it was just different. You know, when you go away, when you're 15 years old, you know, things are going to change in your life. Mm-hmm. Their, uh, their relationship with me was 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 great they took me everywhere they could possibly take me as a child and uh, we were very close we just went our different ways usually it happens when someone goes off to college it happened when i went off to high school so Mm, yeah but it was a school i had to go to because i was had brought on some problems to myself even as early as 15. So (laughs) now was that the uh, the incident of uh, uh getting the liquor at the liquor store Getting a liquor at the liquor store, yeah, and also um, 
I was riding a motorcycle around a public beach when my parents were out of town. And I got arrested for that. Nothing, nothing big, but it was one of those deals where first it was that. And then um, I had been at a, at a slumber party with the guys in a car and uh, and it called the sack and a neighbor came around the corner and one of the guys in the car sat down on the brake pedal and the cops came and I think I went down, I think I went to jail for that for a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know what it was called back then, but there were several incidents that brought about my departure <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you know it sounds like your folks had a great work ethic which uh, i mean oh my god you're legendary for that do you think seeing them and even though there wasn't maybe that much time i know for me my father was a, a owned a trucking company worked incredibly hard and that even though i didn't have a lot of that time i still carried that work ethic do you think their approach really had a big impact upon you um I, you know, I, I don't know that that did as much. As, and I think this uh, would apply to anybody. It's really liking what I was doing for a living. Sure. Yeah. If you like something and you feel like you're good at it or have the potential to be good at it uh, and you want to be successful, which you hope everybody wants to be, um, and you want to be the best. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's practicing law or practicing medicine or being an architect, you know, whatever, whatever your chosen uh, uh, field is, I think most people, I would hope, don't know. I don't know that it's the same way today because things are so different in terms of how you get great. But it, when I was younger, to get great, you had to work. Yeah. Sure. And if your name was on the marquee, you had to be there. 104 fever, torn rotator cuff, cracked C5 in my neck. I mean, I went to work. But I'm not the only one. So, but. Right. Yeah, which I want to. That that C5 in my neck was rough, but I never missed a night. I would would just, they put me in tag matches where I just stood there. But, you know, it wasn't because I wanted to go. There wasn't enough alcohol to kill the pain in that, that <laughs> neck. Those neck injuries, man, are brutal. Oh, I can only imagine. But I, I lucked out. It, it healed itself. And when I when I cracked C five in my neck, I did the uh, the technology wasn't such that they could go in and fix it like they can now. So, but it healed, and uh, um, I've got some uh, a little bit of uh, atrophy in my left arm and my lat ever since but nobody ever nobody even knew it that happened in 89 so but otherwise i've been uh, just gifted as hell my knees and everything my back even after the airplane crash right you know i I, i'm happy i worry about bragging about it to people (laughs) um because but you know but since you're asking i don't mind talking about it it's a miracle Mm -hmm. yeah because first they told me that first they told me i would never wrestle and then they told me that I would be an arthritic nightmare by the time I was 40 years old. So um, I've, I've avoided both. I, I got back in the ring six months before I was supposed to, and I have had, knock on wood, I even hate saying this, but no arthritis, nothing. I feel great. That's, why, that's, that's awesome. one of my problems with, that's been one of my problems my entire life with growing up. 
you know, if you don't feel like you're 71, it's hard to be 71. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think especially, it's, it's a m- mindset too, right? Hey, especially with a 28-year-old wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, you know, well, she is, she is still gorgeous, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh. I'll send you guys. Give me your number. I'll send you a pic after we get off the line here. You got it. Absolutely. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a major crush on her when I was a, a, a kid. Hey, guess what? So did I. <laughs> uh, well, Rick, I want to jump. I just co- forgot to tell her. I forgot to tell her I was married. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Slipped your mind. It's okay. These things happen, Rick. Don't oh, you shit. Know. Uh, so oh, she got away from it. Oh, she got away from me for a whole year is a lot. That was a lot of going on. Really. <laughs> Google uh, nature boy, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, let's jump back to uh, to college because I really want to talk about the point in which uh, you enter pro wrestling. Um, and, you know, and Gern, uh, Vern Gagne being such a mentor, of course, me is such a wrestling mm-hmm. fan and you know, the AWA, um, you know, uh, how were you just kind of lost in college? It just didn't fit in the academia. No, 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 I, I, I fit in too good. <laughs> I, uh, I got rushed by about six fraternities and, um, I just was overwhelmed with the social life, not overwhelmed <laughs> with it, but, um, you know, when they sent me to Wisconsin where the drinking age was 18, you know, I had a I had a phony ID when I was 15 years old, so that's one of the reasons that I that ID is the thing that got me. Uh, yeah, I was I, when I got the, the liquor thing with my parents. That was before I went away. That was after Wayland, mm, right? After I came back with the phony ID at Christmas time, so um, that just reinforced my staying there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Um, no, I just got to college and God, I tell you, I, the college life was for me, it was, I've never seen anything like it. And I thought I was moving pretty fast, you know, going to Chicago on the weekend to see my friend Bruce MacArthur, his family owned the Blackhawks and the Bulls at that time. Right. And, uh, yeah, the Wirtz family is huge. And, um, spending the weekend with him out in Lake Michigan on their, they had a 47 foot um, Chris Craft back in the day, you know, and, and they've got the 120 footer in Fort Lauderdale. But hanging around with Bruce and all our my friends that I made in private school, it just changed the whole tempo for me. I I wanted to play college football and um, was going to Michigan. I signed a letter of intent, and the, the my academic advisor would write me a letter would not write a letter saying he thought I could uh what's the word a predict a, a great a GPA that would be allowing me to play so my second choice was Iowa I went and spent a weekend with Eddie Podolak and to say that they needed that letter too and he wouldn't write it from there so and then I um went home and I met uh, Steve Thompson who is still up in St. Cloud Minnesota had been recruited to play. He was a year older than me. It was playing football in Minnesota. Took me to meet Coach McGee. And then I went to Minnesota as a non-predictor. And and 
never predicted. (laughs) 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 You know, and back then, I hate to say it, but all you had to do was go to class. Right, right. You you just had to be, you had to make attendance. And I just, my fraternity house was about two miles from campus, maybe a mile and a half, 30 below zero. I just couldn't get myself to go. (laughs) And I love, I lived there and it just, I was in Frontier Hall for a while. But as soon as I moved over there, I was I was good until I got in a fraternity house, and I just self-destructed. But yeah. it just just in terms of being just lazy, and then I I still had a chance. Probably would have played my sophomore year as a right guard. Um, but they wanted me to go to summer school for well, I think eight weeks, and I went for a week, and I said, forget it. I just walked outside and hitchhiked to Chicago and spent the summer in Chicago. Oh, wow. And obviously, my football career was over when I got back. <laughs> uh, so at what point does uh, the college life end and, and uh, you know, you have your encounter? I actually don't even know who introduced I stayed, you to Vern. I stayed, I stayed there for a year after I was out of school. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, Finally, I uh, um, got a job as a bouncer, Georges in the park, and I'm standing next to the cigarette machine like you see in the old days, mm-hmm. sitting on a stool, and then walks Ken Patera and the rest. That just changed my life. Ken was there training for the 72 Olympics. Okay. So that was, see, I went to college. I graduated in 68, so I enrolled in 68. And that, well, right, I stayed there till, till 71. I met Ken in 72. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ken and I moved into a house together with, of all people, Mike Goldberg, Bill <laughs> Goldberg's brother, small oh, wow. world. And uh, Mike, Mike was playing at Minnesota, too. Didn't get drafted, so he was hanging around Minneapolis, you know, looking at different business ventures. And now he's very, very, very successful in the uh private airline business so yeah. um so the three of us lived together and that was just that's a great time I, my dad got me a job as a central service orderly during the day over at Abbott Northwestern with 400 nursing students <laughs> that's just another chapter <laughs> so, so what you're saying is that the shit we've seen in movies is your reality that's what yeah, you're saying yeah exactly yeah yeah I went from living with with Mike and Patera to live with five girls that rented that rented from us. <laughs> oh God! So anyway, um, from there, Ken comes back from Munich with a bronze medal, and we start training with Vern. I got introduced to Vern, and man, I mean, literally, it it showed my thirty for thirty documentary that I I quit once. I actually quit three times. Oh man. Mm. I, I just, it was so intense and so hard. And I was 300 pounds, Ken was 300 pounds because I was actively powerlifting back then. Mm-hmm, right. You know, trying to be like Ken Patera, which was never going to happen, but I was attempting it, right? And, uh, you know, I just had seen wrestling on TV and thought, I can do this, you know. And But the conditioning part of it about killed me. You know, literally to do to run two miles and do 500 free squats, 
200 push-ups and 200 crunches or sit-ups, right? It would take me over four hours. Oh, mm. shit. And we, and we wouldn't do anything until we got done. I mean, literally, you can imagine, maybe even five hours. Mm-hmm. So if I arrive out there at noon, I haven't even gotten in the ring, which is in a barn in 30-degree weather in November, right? right? Even colder. And I haven't even completed the free squat. And after the first day, I couldn't walk. So I just quit. And he came and got me, and then I, I went back and maybe lasted three days and quit again. It literally took me two months. It, Patera and I both, we, we could run that two miles and all that, you know, in in in, in a two-hour period. You know, but I mean, it's still, you know, I've gotten where I could do 500 squats now in less than 20 minutes when I'm in shape. Mm-hmm. But back then, man, I couldn't even it just it, you try it sometime go out and run two miles i don't know where you guys live but even in the best of the nicest weather and then do 500 free squats and then 500 uh or, or 200 push-ups and 200 squats it's a lot you know yeah. and they until we could do that in the time frame that he was happy with actually after the second after the end of the first week we just had to run a mile he did slack up the two miles. Uh-huh. Two miles. I think he figured out none of us could do that in in, in any in any time frame. So right, right, um, right. now was that Vern's way of just you're, trying you're, to you're, was that Vern's way of trying to wash people out? He wanted to see who had it. Yeah, <laughs> I think two miles would take right. me about a week and a half. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I, I keep in mind this is not a track. This is cross country right. on his farm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, this is up and down hills. Are you kidding me? I mean, I just, I got no problem telling anybody because people tell me they can do it right now. You know, tell me, show me. Yeah. I, I can't do that $100,000. If, <laughs> if someone hasn't done it, I got 100000 ca- cash on me right now. It says they can't do it. Yeah. That's a lot, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. And yeah. I, and we were already had no idea that we're going to be doing that stuff. So, um, anyway, that's how I got going. And once I got it in, then we got in the barn and they spent another month trying to discourage us any way they could, you know, through roughing us up. And then finally the last month we spent and, uh, started to learn a little bit, a little bit about wrestling. And then it wasn't like it is now. They just said, uh, go out there and wrestle this guy for 10 minutes. And who was your first, first match? George Gadaski. Mm. Okay. T- ten minute draw. <laughs> you were even yeah. doing Broadways then. Yeah, for ten minutes. No, no one told me who was winning or losing. Nothing. I mean, there was no winner or loser. Oh wow. And I, I, I can only imagine. I'm glad it's not on film. I can just imagine how bad that was. Because I was so nervous, and then nobody, no one told us back then. Right. So, you know, it wasn't until maybe six months that I was there that you, people started, you know, saying, going to win, they're going to lose, do this, do that. They just, back then, he just believed that you had to go out there and, you know, with the idea that you might get your ass kicked, you might not, you know, <laughs> where you were thinking to yourself, can I hang with this guy or can't I? You know what I mean? 
a different way to start out in the business. But if you think about it, how many guys could do that now? Yeah. Not many. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, you know, a, uh, that development system um, that goes on, especially for the WWE now where it's so hands on. And to me, almost, it, you know, it's, it, it, you know, as, a, as someone that grew up loving the business, worked in it for two and a half mm-hmm. years as a ring announcer and, and TV commentator here in, in California for a company. It's, it's almost disappointing because there may not have been a nature boy, Ric Flair, had that system been the way it is now. Yeah, well, don't don't misunderstand me. They train hard and they condition really hard. Yeah, but they're they're not there to break you like they were with with, in my age group and with Mike. Ganya was there to break you, to see if you had it. You know what I mean? Right. And I I I I totally would discourage that formula now, because it's not, um, you know, it's I'd be like. we we we're being trained like we're getting ready for the UFC. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, yeah. literally, that's, I mean, and those kids, I mean, down in, in Orlando, make no mistake, they work hard, but they're not broken to the point of, of, of being discouraged. They're, they're uh, the good, the good things they have are reinforced. And if the trainers and their, you know, some really good trainers down there, Terry Taylor, right? Um, Norman Smiley, of course, Sean's there for the expert group or the highest level. So they really have some good opportunities and good trainers. Sarah Del Rey is great. But at the same time, they're there to train them, uh, uh, to encourage them, and uh, to look for the best and look for the strengths. They're not there to discourage them. Right. And and we went through that large time frame of discouragement, but that was the way the business was really hard to get back in when I started. You didn't just walk in the door and say, "Hey, I'm ready to wrestle." You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, who else? Well, was, not, go ahead. Um, not, not not with Vern Gagne, you didn't. Right. Put like that. Who else was in that with you? Because uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat trained with you. Was there any other individuals? He, he, he that was made- your, he was a year after me. Oh, he was a year after but, you. Okay, but, but he was part of that whole thing. He was uh, um, in the building. Vern had moved to a building, uh, which I just saw the, a little bit, where we, where we went up and down the stairs carrying a guy on our back in that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. We. I was in the camp head of that. I've done that when I was there, but I didn't do that as much as the we did the outdoor two mile the mile run. And the free squats, which Ricky did, you know, the, they all did the 500 free squats. That was just a prerequisite. But, um, yeah, Ricky Steamboat in my class was Kaz, the Sheik. Kaz mm. um, um who only weighed 180 pounds. Then Jim Brunzel. Oh, wow. Ken Patera. Um, Jim Brunzel, Ken Patera, um, Bob Bruggers. Who uh, played for the Chargers, the Dolphins, and was a a three sport uh, University of Minnesota athlete, football, basketball, and baseball. Holy shit! At the university, so he was a phenomenal athlete. Um, Bob was also in the plane crash with me, and it right let it didn't paralyze him, but he could never he could never do anything i don't even think he could play golf again which oh, damn. probably had to bother bob the most um 
but uh, and Greg Gagne. Yep, the class that, but a steamboat was with Bob Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter, the, yeah. the class after me. Yeah, but we did it. We did do some of that stuff in the building, but I thought the stuff in the building was a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> that, that outdoor training man in, in Minnesota in November, jeez, the absolute shit, uh, huh? Yeah, absolute. So, Rick, where is Jumping it? Off a heel-off <laughs> <laughs> what point is it where, you know, you're in your wrestling career and, you know, the nature boy persona, you know, starts to uh, to develop? Of course, you know, people know that, and you've mentioned it not being the original nature boy, but was it pre the plane crash or was it after when you came back? After the plane crash. I was the nature boy, but I just didn't have a name before the plane crash. And I was and I was still pretty heavy. I was two seventy when the plane crashed and I went down to one eighty. Right. And I never went I never went back over uh, I think the highest I got was two forty after that. Mm, Yeah. So a lot of that was the look and everything that I got that from Buddy, but uh, the only was only one buddy. Rogers, I, I got to know Buddy a little bit, but he just, you've seen pictures of me, looked like a million dollars. And really what made Buddy famous was, aside from the fact that he was very difficult to do business with, was his look. And uh, Buddy was the first guy to do high spots. Really? You know, tackle, drop down, you know, all that, remember? Yeah. And he threw the strut and... Uh, now I wrestled Buddy, I wrestled Pat O'Connor, I worked with all those guys. But uh, yeah, Buddy was um, he dre- I got he dressed immaculately. That I got that I got that from Budro. Even though I like nice clothes before that, it really seeing him and the difference between him and the other guys and their look and how he carried himself that really was very motivational for me. So after the the plane crash and when you you start getting back in the ring, is that when you're First, finding the success as well as the excess kind of starts, or was excess prior to all that? Excess was prior to all that. Excess was probably started as in college. (laughs) If we're being honest. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can relate. I did college for seven years, Rick. I'm very familiar. Yeah, I know. Well, I was in high I was in high school for 13, so don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, so what What point is it that then, you know, you're out on the road, you know, enjoying the excess, but I always was curious with you, because I know for me with my addiction is that, um, you know, I grew up not really having a comfortable home life, but even in adulthood, been through a divorce, two kids, I still don't really feel as comfortable with myself as I am when I'm working. You know, I've been in broadcasting for 20 years. You know, was it hard to just kind of come home, settle down, you know, or, you know, did... did Well, that, 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 you just said something that people don't really, I didn't go, I didn't get to go home. Right. We didn't go home back then. Even in the territory... Before I became world champion, Monday, you're home at two in the morning. Uh, you leave at two the next day. So you sleep, you work out, you have lunch with your wife, you see your kids for two seconds, and you're gone. Jeez. And you're working. And then on Saturday and Sunday, you work twice. Right. You drive You drive 3,000 miles, sometimes more that week. And I did that 
uh, from 74 until, um, until I won the world title in 1981. And then I started flying everywhere. But I mean, <laughs> I was telling someone the other day that I could be in, uh, this was actually a, a, a week when I was a world champion. I was in Auckland, New Zealand, Sydney, Australia, St. Louis, and back in Tokyo all in seven days. Goodness Holy shit. Yeah, that's a lot of drinking. <laughs> <laughs> And a lot of fun. And a lot of and a lot of fun. A lot of women, yeah. you know. Uh, make friends all over the world. <laughs> <laughs> Space Mountain got its title for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember any of that. <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, that, you know, that's the way, and they, uh, you know, that I guess they have figured out a way to compute it. I, I, I traveled more than any other world champion. Uh, only two that probably traveled as much as me were Dory and Jack. Yeah. Because they, they kind of paired them up and wherever, when either one of them was champion, that the other guy would travel basically with them, same match. Mm -hmm. Um, because there just weren't a lot of contenders that could wrestle an hour and Dory and Terry, uh, I mean, Dory and, uh, Jack Briscoe had such a, you know, such a marquee name, the two of them just coming into your territory was a big match. Now, Crockett's territory had a lot of big individual stars anyway, but, you know, most territories didn't have a guy that wanted to wrestle an hour. And the rule was either you went an hour or you got beat. So a lot of times I'm wrestling guys that are really nice guys and with ability, not, not always great, but they're not ready to wrestle an hour, and it's a long night with a, you know, with someone that's not ready to wrestle an hour. So it's, you know, I I think I drank to celebrate. I think I drank from frustration. I think I drank uh, just because I was having fun, and I found someone to drink with. And if a guy if I was traveling with someone, you know, that if we used to stay at the eight days in, he was staying at the Marriott with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it just. Um, you know, I just, I just had fun. I mean, it, I didn't have time not to have fun. I loved being a world champion, but the first time I had it, I wasn't ready. And I, I think I was frustrated with my lack of uh, experience and what I, I thought I was ready. And I was so thrilled when they said, you're going to you know, become the world champion. But then I went out in the road wrestling guys that didn't have the kind of experience I had. Because I'd been groomed with Wahoo and Paul Jones and Mulligan and Steamboat right. and the Andersons and all these wonderful characters and wrestlers. And then on my first night out, I'm in West Palm Beach with Charlie Green, <laughs> who was just a, a journeyman guy and, and all fairness to him, a good athlete. But he'd never wrestled more than 15 minutes in his life. Yeah. So... I was frustrated. I drew. I drew well in the Carolinas. I drew well in Texas and St. Louis, and in Japan, and Oregon. I did, but I mean, a lot of the smaller territories I didn't draw that well in. And you know, you're wrestling. You know, the guys look to you. The guys in the territories think, "Oh wow, Andre the Giant's coming this week. We're going to draw. Everybody's going to be sold out." Oh, the world champions come this week. We'll, we'll be sold out, right? Because Andre and I would go in at a week at a time, never together. But you know, that's way that's where they booked Andre. 
Right. And uh, it was just one of the reasons Andre drank so much. I mean, he just never had any peace, aside from the fact he, that he traveled like I did. But he, you know, Andre couldn't go anywhere without, you know, being recognized and without having people bother him. So, sure. no, but I just, I drank and I had fun. I mean, <laughs> right up to right, right up to the end, right before I got sick, I would say to Wendy, she said, why do you like drinking? I said, I don't know. I said, but if I was up at the country club, it would be, I would be, it would be acceptable. Right. right. But sitting in the bar, wasn't, does that make, does that make sense? Yeah. That was the rationale I was trying to sell her as she was shaking her head, walking out the door. Okay, I gotta buy this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, he just trying to he's just trying to buy a membership of the country club and <laughs> he doesn't golf. <laughs> he wants to sit up there and drink. Uh, when he said we're not joining the country club for you to drink. <laughs> what was it like drinking with Andre? What was that like? Oh God, it was the best. Oh man, I but can't it imagine. Was, it was, it wasn't a competition back. You didn't think of it like that. He could just drink. Oh, I can yeah. imagine. <laughs> Goodness. Two and a half gallons of wine in a 130-mile trip. Oh. One town to the next. Oh, Jesus. And then he'd send the promoter out to get some more wine before <laughs> he worked, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, and I, I, have, I, don't, I won't mention him by name, but there was one promoter one time. But you're not allowed to drink in the restroom. Boom. Bus, wine or no, no Andre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of the road, who are some of your favorite road uh, partners riding the roads? Oh, I, I had so much fun with uh, Arn Anderson and Tully and JJ, Barry Windham, um, Terry Taylor, Ted DiBiase, Henning, Bobby Heenan. And later on, uh, it you know, in, with evolution, I had fun, a lot of fun with Hunter and Sean and Randy and Dave. We didn't all travel together, but we, you know, we'd be out in groups sometimes. Not the whole, not the whole group at one time, but yeah, I I, I don't think I've ever not had fun traveling. You know, yeah. uh, Hunter Hunter would spend more money on food than I would spend on booze. Right? So, <laughs> uh. <laughs> Well, he's a huge dude. I know. I've I met him one time, and I was like, "We're about uh, yeah, the same man, height." And I was like, eat, "Holy shit!" Li literally, I don't know what he eats steak for breakfast. I'm sure he does, but he could eat it, that, that. I would see at least three New York strips a day. Holy goodness! Uh, and, and I've seen I've seen him eat uh, a thirty piece tuna sashimi plate. Yeah, I mean, he, he loads up on protein. Yeah. Huge. And, and it, but it's impossible to get more than a half a glass of wine down his neck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Rick, you brought up uh, a couple of names there, especially um, Kurt Hennig. What was it like, you know, I mean, we, you know, we're obviously touching on your um, struggles with alcoholism for, you know, very, very long time and the, the effects, but what was it like for you losing friends like a Kurt Henning and there's been so many others for the, the drug related matters. Um, and and well, did, did you see it? Did you recognize it or was it something that was kind of, they did a good job of hiding or? No, no, the drugs were prevalent. I just, uh, you know, once again, I'll go back to my parents. My dad just told me, I, I won't mention any names, but I, I was in the business literally in Minneapolis for a week. 
And they found that my dad was a doctor and I had three different wrestlers ask me to get speed. Right. Oh, wow. From my dad. So my dad wrote two scripts and looked at me and said, I'm writing this. This is the last one I'm writing. This was the first week I was in the business. Holy shit. He said, I don't know. I don't know who these guys are. I don't know if they're your friends or not, but uh, I'm not in the business of writing scripts. Yeah. So, um, as a matter of fact, he may have just written one. The one stands out, but I, I, I had at least three requests. So then my dad was a doctor, everybody, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, that was my, my entry level into, you know, people getting prescriptions and all that. But I, guys, I, oh, what, I, I'm not bringing up his name because you mentioned it, but someone I had a lot of fun traveling on was Roddy Piper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't leave Hot Rod out. Um, <laughs> yeah, no I, no, I saw everybody doing everything. I just didn't do it. And I I literally have been at parties where I just said, guys, I, you, know, I'm, I, you know, don't don't put me in that situation because I won't, I won't roll with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm going to come, bring you go. But, you know, I don't do do whatever you want. I just not doing it. I drink, do whatever you want me to do. I mean, I'll do whatever I want to do. But I don't start cocaine. I don't take uppers. I don't take downers. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, and that's it. Drinking, yes, and to excess, yes, but never any pills. So, to be honest with you, I I was I was extremely uh, bothered by it for a while because, but um, coming from a medical family and. Uh, I will still, you know, get in arguments with doctors that are treating me over something my dad would have told me. Yeah. You know, in detail would explain to me and that um, you know, and I'll argue this with any therapist that have. It's a whole different addiction, drinking and pills. Yeah. Yep. Whole different whole different level of safety too. Same would apply to steroids. Snorting cocaine and taking uppers and downers and drinking as opposed to just drinking. Sorry. Well, well I'll call it a drug. But, I mean, obviously I was wrong. Cause, but that was my excuse to myself. And sure. I would and I would plead that case to Wendy. But she, you know, that fell on deaf ears. Right. Yeah. But Well, as addicts, and, and I'm very fortunate. I know I'm very fortunate that she rode that out with me. So yeah, well, and, and after my son passed away, I drank more than I ever drank in my life. I'm sure. Hey, I yeah. couldn't imagine, so, um, you know, Rick, because I I think I've seen you wrestle. It has to be in excess of thirty times at least. And um, mm-hmm. you know, I remember watching Nitro when Reed and well, and Ashley too. Charlotte, for those who don't know her, yeah. real name, and David, and you know, showing up on things. And um, I really, I. I couldn't imagine what you felt when when Reed passed away because uh I mean I I, I know he, the love I have for man I know I the love I have for my children but I also I know he was you know proud to be your son well he was my man I, we went everywhere together I took him to Japan took him to Europe national wrestling tournaments all over the country um I don't think a lot of people are aware of it. I don't mind discussing it now, but it had been going on for five years. Wow. And I just was, uh, I, 
I it, I was guilty of watching of of doing the same thing that Fritz von Erich did, and that was turning a blind eye to it. Because mm-hmm. yeah. when I first heard about it, I didn't believe it. And Hunter mentions that in my thirty for thirty. I called Hunter and said, "There's no way." But there's no way my kid is snorting cocaine. Absolutely not. Do I think he smoked a joint? Probably has. Mm-hmm. No way cocaine and no way steroids. Because, it, it, you know, he asked me. I, I, I said, you take steroids, you're done. I mean, it's a shortcut. It's a, At your age, you need to just work on your body, your core, work out hard, you know, and that's all you're going to need, you know. You got my genetics. You're never going to look like Carrie Von Eric or Ricky Steamboat. Just get as strong and healthy and fit as you can. And the guy, he lived for fitness. He ate G- he ate me out of out of house and home in GNC. <laughs> he lived by Hunter's book. Have you ever seen Hunter's book about bodybuilding? I have. I I haven't seen it. No, I I, I'm aware of it. I just from haven't. Years seen it. ago, yeah, from 15 years ago. Yeah, he read that religiously. And here, and here he is. It just, we fought it. I mean, it, it was, it, it, it was, it was, it's hard to explain. If, if, uh, if Beth and I hadn't been divorced, we would have gotten divorced over it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, five years and you have no idea how much money, which didn't bother me, the money at the time. You look back on it, you know, all the rehab centers and everything and, you know, you, you you come to find out that it's not an addiction; it's a disease. Right. Yeah. Heroin is a, a disease. Yeah. And it got to the point where I could. It was like every six months, and about that six month mark, I would start. You know, and I. But when he came back from Japan, I thought, boy, everything's great. He's good to go, and thank God Wendy was there with me. But he. You know, the, the, not the heat, but a big part of it was Beth playing me because he was with me. And um, that was a lot for me to swallow. I, I mean, I, I just, sure. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't argue that he wasn't with me. But I also couldn't, uh, I couldn't lie and say that, uh, and this, this I, I don't get a chance to say, which I'm glad I'm having an opportunity now. Um uh, Every doctor told me to let him, to let him, you know, kick him to the curve, let him bottom out. And that's the one thing I, I hold against myself as I would never t- tell him, I, I would never let him go. Sure. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, you don't have no idea what it's like. I'm not, I'm not sure the age of your children, but when you can't find your kid on a cell phone for five days and you know, he has a track record like this. You can only imagine the anxiety between his mother and I. Yeah. And Ashley was away in Florida for about a year of it and didn't realize. And I mean, it was just insanity. You know, you worry about him coming home and they doesn't come home. Then you can't find him for five days. Then you call the police and then you hire a private eye. And finally you find him in a house on the other side of town. And... Cops have to get a warrant or a private eye. You pay him a thousand dollars. He breaks down the door, pulls your kid out. You don't know any of the other people. Just a bunch of junkies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring him home, or or goes to the hospital. And I've seen that exact same drill five or six times. 
the thing that were, that fell on me so hard is that night when I got back, I was watching uh, with my friend uh, Mac Patterson, who owns 35 Dominoes in, in the in the Charlotte area. Real successful guy, but he likes NCAA basketball. We were watching the tournament, which you know is the same time as WrestleMania every year. Yeah. And we were at Del Frisco's, and he said, I'm going to go back to the hotel because I, I was staying at a place. I was in, be in between. I was getting divorced, and I was moving to another location, so I had packed up and rented a, two suites on top of a hotel for about a month and because uh, I hadn't moved into my new place yet, and I was just starting... Um, I think when did I've been dating about three months then or four months? No, no, God, and yeah, at the end of twelve. Well, about six months at that point. Okay. And so Wendy had come to Charlotte. We were going to go to an independent show. Um, two independent shows where the guy was going to pay Reed a thousand a night. Money was the issue, right? We're going to go together. Then we're going to fly from there to New York for WrestleMania. Ashley's going to debut on NXT. And I walked into the room and he was, you know, just kind of acting like I've seen him a hundred times. So I laid him down in bed and I, I came back. I said, Wendy, I said, this is, I, this is it. I can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to call the police because the, it becomes, you know, right to all the whole world's upside down. Yeah. And they've, they've done it for me five different times check him in under an alias. Uh, once we had to helicopter him across town and uh, and it was my fault. I made the call. I said, well, just ride it out and in the morning I'll just tell him that, you know, he's got to figure it out on his own. I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I went in to wake him up in the morning and he was gone. Uh, shit. Yeah. So, you know, should I have called? Uh, I don't know anymore. Yeah. I, I, I I battled that guys for for years. Then he was talking. It wasn't out cold or anything. He was just you know mumbling, talking. And between Del Frisco's and there, he got on something. It's a thousand different theories. But if somebody came to see him, he he snuck out. Right. Whatever. So. But <sighs> you wake up to that, and then you got to figure out how to make it through the day, right? And then you got to figure out. And the only way that I could figure it out was to drink. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rick, we we had a gentleman on one of our episodes that um, he got really into it with me on on my use, and he said, you know, your your addiction, your disease, it's um, you know, I mean, he really broke me down. It's a it's a coping mechanism, and you know, I can um, I can just hear the hurt of it, and. Um, you know, thank you for sharing that. I know it's it's a challenging and no, and no, I I about. don't mind. I, and I'll I'll be sad talking about it the rest of my life. Sure. But here's the thing. Um, I don't know that. Um, you know, I don't know that. Um, that you know it was ever going to change. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the hurt never goes away. The change, the hurt, the blame. Um. I'll take I'll take the blame. You know, I'm the one that brought him back from Japan. He wanted to go to WrestleMania so bad. You know, and to see Ashley, we were all excited. And yeah. 
Wendy, Wendy is so respected by everybody. It was, she loves going and it was just uh, one of those deals. I just, I mean, I literally, I, I started drinking it that morning and I didn't quit until I went to the hospital in 2017. Yeah. It, it wasn't a discussion every day. It was a discussion every day for three years, but then it, it gets away and you get away from it. And, you know, there's always going to be somebody that'll bring it up once or twice a week and then you relive it and then something will come along to remind me of it. And it's just, it's a hardship I would never wish on any family. Yeah. Not at all. Um, and, you know, yeah. some of our listeners have definitely, you know, faced it. And so hopefully they know that you being uh, so open and sharing that, that they're not alone and, and you know, life does and has no, to, no, to move forward. Just, and, you, just, you, you, don't, you run out of excuses and run out of reasons and wonder, wonder you know, to, to guess which was the right or wrong thing to do. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's but one of those no-win scenarios, I would think. That, and there isn't for a family either, you know. I had a friend, uh, a lawyer, big time in Charlotte, who is, uh, he and his wife were very close. And a year after their daughter died in the car wreck, they were divorced. <sighs> and I always thought to myself, I fell back on that thought when it happened to Reed because it's very tough to coexist if there's if there's a way to try and blame it on the other person. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, and obviously, I'm the. It, it happened on my watch, and so I'm responsible. But um, I also was responsible for being his best friend instead of being his father. And by that, I mean, you know, all these doctors. I want to see. I'd have to see it, them practice that in real life to believe they can do it, but kicking under the curve and, and you know, what if I found if I'd found him on a street corner, I'd have killed myself. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So if someone had called me and said they found him in an alley, then how would I have dealt with myself? Yeah. So well, Rick, it, um, is it, I I was wondering if you would share it because I think it's a touching thing of of what you left with Reed in his casket and what Vince McMahon did for you. Well, um, I gave him my Hall of Fame. You talking about my Hall of Fame ring? Yes, sir. From 2008. Yeah, that's all, that's all he wanted to be. And um, are you talking about replacing it? Yes, sir. That that was Hunter. Oh, it was Hunter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got to Orlando to see Ashley NXT, and Hunter said I need to talk to you. And um, I, I didn't know. I thought maybe you know something was wrong. And uh, pulled in the back room, and he had uh, my 2008 ring from when I retired as a uh, singles performer. Mm -hmm. um, he had it engraved, and it, it's the only one I wear now. The other one, um, I don't wear that much. Um, and it said uh, Reed Flair. Yeah. Oh, man. with the date so i've got that yeah i love it that's awesome can't put a price can't put a price on that yeah. that was that was hunter i mean it was yeah it was a big deal yeah and that that uh love of friendship you know when it transcends business is um 
that's invaluable. It is, guys. You have, you have no idea. You know, it's like there's nothing you can't. Um, and I'm not saying it because she's sitting here, but if I had been with Wendy in 2013, I'm sure I would kill myself. Uh, I don't mean with a gun. No, I don't mean with a gun. I yeah. just meant I, I would have. I was I was really lost. Yeah. yeah. And and she was there. Some days she'll write a book. I'm not worried about her being rich when I'm gone. She'll be rich. <laughs> she writes a book about her taking care of me. Hell, I, I want her to go on Cameo and on and charge $5,000 for a two-minute short story on Ric Flair. <laughs> 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 oh. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Everybody knows all the nerds you did. <laughs> they want to know how you survived it. <laughs> and you're on Cameo now, right? I am, yeah. You are, yeah. I saw that. Oh, shit. I just got two while I was talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> want to take a pause? Go ahead. And <laughs> uh, now, I paid those babies out, man. They're fun, but God. Yeah, the people are so nice. That Martin's a great guy. Uh, yeah. No, um. Yeah, no, I'm just lucky. I have Wendy, man. I mean, yeah. between that and staying in the room with me, staying in the room 31 days of ICU and never left. Uh, that you woman. Know, telling, doc, t- telling doctors what's up. Yeah. If she didn't like what something was going on. Yeah. The only problem was that is that. She was she was just a practicing lawyer. Now she's a practicing physician. <laughs> no matter what the doc, no matter what the doctor tells me, if it doesn't, if it doesn't fly with her, it doesn't work. <laughs> I gotta find myself we're a Wendy. We're, 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 we're arguing over my uh, my, my my testosterone level. <laughs> Hey Rick, she, I, she likes it. She likes it down in the low twenties. One has not even alive. <laughs> I think we've uh, coined a new phrase: yeah. "Get yourself a Wendy." Get yourself a Wendy. Yeah, I yeah. need a Wendy. Get yourself a Wendy, right? That's Jeez. that's a new phrase. Yeah. We are we are going viral with this. Get yourself hey, a Wendy. You, hey, let me tell you something. If I had, had Wendy when I retired from the business as my agent and manager, God only knows where I'd be. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, she has learned it all, man. There ain't nothing gets by her. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's <Zero>. pretty. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Rick. She, she even gave me my own credit card. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> American, American Express Wendy. She got a black card with no limit. Oh, nice. she got me. She got, she got me a training car with a $200 limit. <laughs> <laughs> With my name on it. <laughs> she knows you well. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for jumping on, guys. <laughs> oh, shit. Hey, uh, Rick, uh, real quick, because it's one of my favorite matches of all time. Um, and, uh, you know, there's very few matches that I can have any recollection of uh, bringing me to tears. And that would be um, your WrestleMania match with Shawn Michaels, your re- retirement yeah. match. Um, what? What did that that you know mean to you as a performer on that grand stage, and, and with you know for me, 
people always go greatest in-ring performer i go rick flair Shawn michaels i don't know flip a coin depending on the match you know what, what did that mean to you well first of all it meant the world to me i didn't realize how big it was going to be you never do till you walk out i didn't even know Orlando was going to be like i thought i came to retire in orlando that was a so-so town for me i was there a lot with dusty and all that but you know you know when when that, when this falls on you, for me, everything with wrestling is real. Yeah, which has been a problem my whole life. The Hall of Fame to me is my Hall of Fame, and I don't care what it says. It's the greatest retirement weekend, and I've got friends in the football Hall of Fame, basketball, baseball. I don't think anybody's had a weekend like that if you look at it in the entirety. Yeah, I talked way too long on my induction speech, but then. They had that moment with Sean, and I didn't know the fans would be like that with me. And then Raw the next night. I mean, who gets that in the business? Yeah. Really, who who does? Yeah. And uh, I, I I was lucky enough to, and uh, you know, I, I I've admitted this. I have no problem admitting it now. I would have never gone back to work if I didn't need the money. Right. But I was. Um, you know, I was eligible for my retirement at 59. That's the year I retired. Mm -hmm. But I, but paying three people alimony at one time, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it literally it was killing me. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so to go to get, to get a big pay, to get a big payday, to to work uh, 58 days a year, I, I did it. But I, I hate myself for it. I've told Vince that after they have that send off. Um, it was just because of, you know, I, I was just financially, I needed to get, I needed some cash coming in because I was going through anything that I had in retirement like right. like crazy. Right. Yeah, so, that's... Hey, um, but those, those, those are bad decisions I brought on myself. That is, I, I can't blame that on anybody else but myself. Yeah. Well, and, and that's... Just thankful, that, just, just thankful that Wendy came along. Yeah. Well, she did. We're thankful she did too, uh, but it's you know you do mention the, the 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 TNA stuff, which actually I was showing Mikey the other day. He had never seen it. Your work with Jay Lethal, which yeah, I, that know, was fun. It was it was so great, it, you know. And that's the thing I always that that why Ric Flair had me right here in my heart every time was because yeah. he was always so passionate and he just seemed so incredibly oh, I in the hard. moment. I just yeah, I just yeah, I can't for me. I had a chance to get to know AJ, who I've become pretty close friends with. I became very close friends with James Storm. Kurt was there. Sting was there. Um, um, Kevin Nash for a while. Kevin yeah. I'm close to. Um, so it was easy. It wasn't like I was not having fun. Mm -hmm. yeah. It all came along, you know. But it was just, you know, they had the send off I had, and then I felt bad and. You know, they actually thought they could go up against Vince, and I said, I told Hulk, I said, Hulk, I, <laughs> you know, you can't, you know, I mean, I, I just said, you know, we're, you're gonna, this is going to be another WCW 10 times a disaster. <laughs> right. <laughs> and as you can see, we did it one week, right? I mean, that was it. Yeah. So, okay. But I, I've apologized to him since and told him that, you know, I realized, not that he holds it against me because he's, it's not like that, but you know, you never like to disappoint someone that's done so much for you. And that would yeah. be the entire family, my whole career. The McMahons have bailed me out of shit and they've 
been there. And uh, I'll tell you something else that I was telling Shane on Monday night. His dad FaceTimed me, even though I wasn't awake, I could I was in a coma. FaceTimed Wendy literally almost every day wow. with Mark Crono. Wow. To see how I was doing. I'll be damned. So I mean that that's at the end of the day that those are the kind of things that you think of yeah. later in life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just hope to be with him for a while more. <laughs> uh, yeah, my daughter is. I'm so proud of her. She just Ashley's doing aside, amazing. Aside, Charlotte, aside for those from, who don't know. Yeah, aside from this, the stuff with Sean, uh, you know, which was the greatest part of my career so far. The the greatest part has been to see her, you know, rise to the level she has, where she just she's in such a special place. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. Uh, in terms of ability, yeah. So well, and what does it mean to you as a father to see your daughter break some, um, not gender bias, but I mean, headlining WrestleMania? Uh, you know, I would have never have thought well, I would have seen I, that in my lifetime. Yeah, I know, and you know, and you know what? Uh, I'm sure she'll do it again. Oh, I don't it, doubt. Uh, yeah, when the girls came out, it was the last I think two weeks ago was the anniversary of the the five years. And uh, she's never missed anything that whole five years. So, um, and uh, and she um, doesn't like sitting on the sidelines now. But um, um, it, it you know it was something that needed to be done, and she'll be back, and she'll be better than ever. But to be to be that good, I mean, she's or anything that I ever ever accomplish is is she's overshadowed and. You know, to taking that step, and she's got the whole world ahead of her forever. Yeah, yeah. couldn't be happier for that. And and you know, guys, you can look at it and say, well, that happens. That it doesn't happen in our business very often. No, because there's so yeah, many that have got, tried. Yeah, and and for me to still be here with her along that road, that never happens. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? For Wendy and I to get to go see her at events and. You know, uh, Wendy's got a place at Rosemary Beach, and they came to visit us there. And you know, those are the things. And Wendy's got one daughter left; who will be home. We uh, we got so Wendy, Wendy's over here, bringing her tears to her eyes. <laughs> All her girls are gone except for one. Oh man! So, um, yeah, one's gonna be at Gainesville this year. One's going to UF. Uh, her son's at Auburn, and the one that's going in the FBI will graduate in May, and then she heads towards a uh, Quantico. That's so, awesome. And then the little one, the little one will be here. Summer will be with us. I and, dig uh, it. Then she's, she's she's ready to kick ass now. So. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be the next Wendy. Uh, I love it. <laughs> so Rick, after you got out of the out of the hospital. Um, you know, and sobriety seemed like the only necessary thing to do. Um, did you ever get involved in any sort of programs, AA, NA, or was it just the support of Wendy and loved ones? No, I just had to quit drinking. You either figure out you can't do it again, and then, like me, you try to talk every doctor in the world into a reason why you can. Yeah. And they all go, yeah, you can have beer. A beer, a beer. Okay, well, that's no fun. <laughs> so, uh, and then and then actually, I went a whole year and like 
16 months, never had anything. And then Wendy had, we got married at Rosemary Beach. It'll be two years, the 12th of uh, September. All right. And at the wedding, I had three glasses of champagne. And I went upstairs, had an anxiety attack, mm. thinking I was going to die that night oh, from shit. drinking the champagne. So, you know, now once in a while, here are the exceptions to the rule. When I get to go to the SmackDown or Raw, I will have a couple of drinks, beer, beer, wine, right? Mm-hmm. If I see Charles Barkley, I for sure am going to have a couple of <laughs> drinks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, shit. Uh, and, and Wendy, about once every three weeks, she has what we call her wine day. <laughs> <laughs> That's the special day. I dig it. I can't tell you anymore about that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Mikey, <laughs> anything else for Miss Flair before we get to some rapid questions? I was going to say, let's get to the rapid questions. All right, Rick, we've got some uh, rapid questions we're going to throw out here to uh, wrap up for you. Uh, if a movie was made about your life, who would play you? Who would you like to have play Ric Flair in a biopic? Uh, I like Mark Wahlberg. Oh, yeah. I like uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, oh. I like Bradley. Well, she said it was Matt McConaughey. I've never met him, but of course, I yeah, wouldn't be thrilled. But um, you know, it's uh, the Wahlberg character is so. You know, Mark. I've only met Mark a couple of times, but he, he he's a pretty aggressive type guy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. But any of those guys, I'd be flattered. Um, it's got to be a you know a guy that knows how to you know lay it down. Okay. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> oh shoot! Because I'm too I'm too young to teach in the role. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old. Oh, Rick, I got one for you. What are your pet peeves? Give me some pet peeves of yours. Sports announcers that don't know what they're talking about. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. If 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 these guys that that have you know, I mean I'm not gonna list their names. There's three of them that drive me crazy, but you know, I really feel like you have to have done something something athletically in any way shape or form to comment on the decline of people's skills sure yeah or, or, or to decline on or this age stuff i mean i really i really struggle with the guy that goes oh and i'll give you roger clemens an example right oh man roger's thrown in the Low 90s, now he's done. The next day, Roger has 20 strikeouts. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I'm really, I've only met him once. I loved him. He, he treated, treated me like a million dollars. I'm really hoping that Tom Brady kicks everybody's ass this year. That would be a pretty cool Tom story. Brady. I hope he does well. I hope Jimmy Garoppolo does better. But, you know, that's just me speaking. <laughs> Not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, porn star Jimmy, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> porn star Jimmy G, baby. Porn star Jimmy. <laughs> oh, shit. oh, I love it. Uh, speaking of, I, I do, I, I do like that handle. 
Hell yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, bringing up athletes, Rick, what has it meant to you to have not only athletic teams, but even like uh, hip hop culture has kind of, you know, kept the, the, the nature boy, the icon alive? What I mean, you've had a song written about you that has over 300 million views on YouTube alone. Someone just got a chain with you as well, right? They had a chain. 300. 364 million. <laughs> you know what it means to me? I needed somebody else negotiating the deal. <laughs> I tell Offset that all the time. Oh, Jesus shit. Christ. I didn't realize how I didn't realize how YouTube works. <laughs> A little bit of royalties on that one, huh? Yeah, right? No shit. <laughs> oh. oh God. Now all, all all that all that Offset has done to me is make me spend a hundred grand more in jewelry to keep up with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh but, shit! Uh, no, all all those guys. I I talked to Snoop, you know, a couple months ago. He just, you know, when Snoop on my thirty for thirty said I had such an influence on their culture. Those are the kind of things you can't buy, put a price on, you know. Sure, sure. When he get when he's getting inducted in the Hall of Fame and he talks about all the guys and he ends up by saying and I can't leave my brother out, man. The guys that brought so much to our culture and I, you know, it 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 for all the things I've done wrong, I just I'm so glad that I made those guys happy. Sergio Brown, limousine ride, Jeff Flying, <laughs> we did that stuff with with Sergio and it was with the Colts and. You know, and from there, I've, I've talked to the Falcons and 49ers. Um, probably going to talk to the Falcons again this year. Just love sports, love the athletes. Um, you know, there is no color in my life. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I, I, I never thought about it. never seen it. Mm. Um, and I just, um, I just want everybody to be happy. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, as, and as someone that's seen it all, the, the the highs and the lows, I think it's just really important for everybody to just, just say, guys, hey, time out. Let's just let's let's just love each other. Yeah, because really, you know what I mean, life, life life's too short. Yeah, life can be absolutely way too short. Amen to that. Yep. I, I feel yes. you. I know for me, I had to do a lot of amend making and. Uh, you know, it's like listening to uh, Jr. on his uh, podcast with uh, Conrad, um, yeah. Um, which we're going to be advertising this episode with Conrad actually on Jr.'s uh, podcast and um, okay. something to wrestle with, like with Jr. Bruce. Yeah, yeah, with Bruce. Yeah, but what Jr. said that for me has stuck with me is, um, you know, after his wife Jan passed and those kind of things that occur is mm-hmm. leave the baggage at the door. You talking about anything negative? Yep. Yep, any of that yeah, stuff, of carrying it, yeah, there, harboring there's no, it. There, 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 there's no time for it. Mm-hmm. There really is it. You know, when, you, when you've suffered, and, you know, I was with uh, Jim when he met Jan. Really? So I was there the whole, I've been, I was there for the whole thing. I saw it develop and then them start dating and uh, was very close to Jan, both of them. You know, I couldn't wait to see her every year at WrestleMania. Jan was a special kind of person and she understood Jim and no, she put the brakes on anything. She understood that he liked working and being part of the business, that it was his life. Very similar to Wendy. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard. It's hard. And I'm sure I'm not just saying wrestling, but I think when you travel and you, 
you know, you, you're in, in the public eye. It takes a special kind of person that just, you know, walk off and do your own thing. With, with Wendy, if I'm doing something that, that um, requires some, some worse stuff, Wendy's over buying a Chanel purse. She gives <laughs> a shit what I'm doing. Mm. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. At, and with her own credit card. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you want to talk? You want to talk for a while? I'll see you in a couple hours. <laughs> uh, Especially about in Vegas. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I love it. I love it. Mr. Naraki, anything else for Mr. Rich? I I, yeah. I, I told her I saw a brand new 750 BMW she might like. She said, if I want it, I'll buy it. <laughs> uh, there, ain't no, there ain't no asking shit around here. All right. <laughs> Rick, there is one more thing, man. We got the nature. You're gonna Rick be on one. cameo. You can call her for what for for uh, marital advice. Oh, perfect, perfect. <laughs> hey, hey, Wendy, if you can hear me in earshot, whenever I get right here, whenever I get in a serious, Hi, Wendy, whenever I get in a serious relationship, we're gonna hit you up again because I I need a woman that can understand my awkwardness. So if you can do Rick, you can coach anyone for me. If I can do Rick, I can do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! Because <laughs> hey, we have coined a new phrase: "Get yourself a Wendy." We're Get making this go viral, Rick. This is going you know, out you know, there. You know, you know what she just texted me. <laughs> what? This has gone over an hour, so make sure you double up on the charge. <laughs> <laughs> well, <sh> <laughs> Oh, I love it. She's the agent from hell. <laughs> hey, you got to be on it. Woo! Rick Flair. Oh, that's what I was going to say. We have Rick Flair in here. You got to give it to me one time, man. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Limousine riding, jet flying, kids stealing and wheeling, dealing. Woo! Remember all you women out there, none of you can be first. <laughs> But multitudes of you for these two young gentlemen could be mixed. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! I love it, man. I love it. Uh, I don't think we can do anything more. I think on that note, uh, Mr. Ric Flair again, you know, like I said, tomorrow I turn 42 and um, I can't think of a cooler birthday present. And, you know, I've been such a fan of a oh, long, long you. time. Hey. And Hey, you're just a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Miss Wendy. Wendy says, yeah, happy birthday. That's all. Don't be sending him any pictures, Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, you guys take care, okay? Thank right. you so much for your time, Rick. Thank you, Rick. Any more questions you want? Go ahead and ask me something serious. I know what you want to know. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, uh, Are we like, talking about the Rolex still? <laughs> Are we talking about the Rolex still? <laughs> Yeah, right yeah, there yeah. it is. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, shit. Love you guys. Love, Love you, too. Rick. Thank Thanks you, again, Rick. brother. Knocking doors down. Real people, real stories, real life. Real discussions of life struggles, including addiction, relationships, finances, and more. But even more importantly, living with them, overcoming them, and conquering them. Celebrities, experts, and everyday people talk about how they were able to break through whatever life handed them by knocking doors down. New podcast episodes are available every Thursday. Subscribe now on the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio app, or at kddmediacompany.com. 
Woo! The nature boy himself, Mikey. What a fun interview, man. I love that guy. Yeah. That uh, guy was dope. He was just, you know, really, just, he was like stoked to be there, you know? He was yeah. really in the moment, just having a good time, just doing it. Yeah, it was a real pleasure and honor to speak with uh, one of my all-time heroes, the legendary Ric Flair, and have him uh, share his story and be transparent, uh, you know. So for anyone that's out there maybe struggling, if you, you know, got something good out of that for sure, because, uh, man, what a life he's lived, that's for sure. Well, not to mention, I'd be as happy as he was, too, if I had a Wendy. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Hashtag get yourself a Wendy. Well, folks, we got many great more interviews coming your way, and uh, don't forget that uh, you can subscribe to us, of course, on Apple Podcast app, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or by going to kddmediacompany.com and click on the podcast link. So we appreciate you all very much. Thank you for listening and uh, spread the word. Don't forget to follow us on social media also by searching Knocking Doors Down. Anything else, Mr. Naraki? Yes. Find yourself a Wendy. Everybody have a good one. <laughs> on that note, keep Knocking Doors Down. The Knockin' Doors Down book shares all the history and inspiration behind the Carlos Vieira Foundation and how it all started. All proceeds from the book benefit the Carlos Vieira Foundation's Race to Be Drug-Free campaign. So what's that all about? Through the Race to Be Drug-Free campaign, Carlos Vieira Foundation raises awareness about drug abuse, donates to drug-free programs, and brings drug-free speakers into schools to educate youth. The Race to Be Drug-Free campaign's main program is the Gloves Not Drugs boxing program. This program is completely free for kids between the ages of 8 and 17 to learn discipline, strength, respect, camaraderie, and the art of boxing and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. The program was created to keep kids off the streets, out of gangs, and away from drugs. For more info and to get involved, check out carlosvierafoundation.org. This podcast contains the views and opinions of the knocking doors down hosts and their guests to the show. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each person is sharing their unique perspective, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Views and opinions expressed in the podcast and website are our own and do not represent that of our places of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments suggestions, or correction of errors. Privacy is of the utmost importance to us. For those wishing anonymity, people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect confidentiality at the request of certain guests. This website or podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever, including but not limited to establishing standard of care in a legal sense or as a basis for expert witness testimony. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with their content establish a doctor-patient relationship. If you find any errors in any of the content of this podcast or blogs, please send a message through the contact page. This podcast is owned by KDD Media Company.